Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, uh, it is a privilege just to come around the Word of God and to have a fellowship. Now, before we just go to the reading of the Word, let's just have a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you for your grace and mercy. We appreciate you for your protection. And Lord, we pray for those that are sick and afflicted. May you heal them, Heavenly Father. May you touch them and bring a complete deliverance in their bodies. Even those that may feel heaviness in the spirit, may you, dear God, just lighten up their spirits especially during this time. We pray for every brother. We pray for every sister. May your anointing reach them. May you minister to their needs, Heavenly Father. It is my heart's desire 
that in the midst of all this you'll do the paradoxical because you are such a good God. You are an amazing God. You are the almighty God. You are a healer. You are a savior. You are a deliverer. All attributes that we are looking for are found in thee. Even at this point in time, I know you are a Jehovah Jireh. You can provide for the needs of your people. It is my heart's desire that may you provide for their needs. May you be there for them, Heavenly Father. May you protect them. May you put them under thy wings, dear God, that no harm should come their way. Those that are sick, heal them, Heavenly Father. We pray for the reading of the word in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly. Uh, we appreciate the Lord for his grace and mercy. We continue to appreciate him for what he's doing for, for us. I want to speak about faith in a time of crisis. Faith in a time of crisis is what I want to speak about this morning. Now, as we turn to our scripture in the book of Psalm 46, from verse 1 until verse 10. It reads in this manner if it has been found. Psalm 46, from verse 1 until verse 10. It reads in this manner, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. Verse 7, The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. So our Lord says, be still and know that I am God. And the scripture says he is indeed a present, a very present help in trouble and our God is our refuge and our strength. Now another scripture that maybe we just need to read before we speak in the book of Second Corinthians the fourth chapter from the eighth verse and the ninth verse only or rather eighth and ninth verses only it reads in this manner we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. That's what I want to speak about this morning. Now, some 
people, or maybe before I get to speak, let me define, because I'm going to speak about faith in a time of crisis. But before I get to the faith part, let me define the crisis part. Now, the dictionary says when it speaks about a crisis, it refers to it as a time of intense difficulty. It is a time where a judgment of that, or it calls for a judgment or into question a status quo. So a crisis will call into question or bring a judgment to a status quo. But it's a time of intense difficulty. Now, the world over is going through what the world has never gone through before. Whether it is what the crisis that we see is man-engineered, whether it is God-engineered, but however way it has to be permitted by God, because if God did not want it, it would have not happened. So the world over, we are, we are in wa- on what we call uncharted waters. Now, there are, I think, in a time of crisis, it is not a time, it is not, it is not the role of the church to spread propaganda. It is not the role of the church to spread fake news. The church has a responsibility in a time of crisis. It cannot put uh, fuel to fire. It has to find a way to extinguish fire. I've had some people becoming even bold behind pulpits saying COVID-19 is a hoax. Uh, look, that, that's very immature-ish because we have never had a time where a whole family could be buried because of a certain type of a strain of flu. There's never, it has never happened where you're planning a funeral of the father of the house and maybe on the day when the burial of the father of the house needs to take place, then the mother follows suit with the same flu type of disease. So I think the church, we especially ministers, we have to approach this era with a certain degree of caution and with a certain degree of responsibility and being accountable and not being irresponsible. Now, you know, every time there's, quite, uh, there's a major event around the world, you always find certain ministers on the wrong side of history. When 1997 came, there were some that were found on the wrong side of history that made the prophet to say things that he never said and posted that uh, some had to leave, some remained, uh, but with, with an egg on their faces. Then we came and had what we called then, uh, or before then, it was Y2K, 
the year 2000 where it was said is going the whole computer system is going to crash the world computer system and we had people that were quite creative about their sermons during that time and the transition from uh, the 90s to the notice it was seamless and nothing happened and again some people found themselves on the wrong side of history there are people that misrepresented brother Brenham when it came to family planning and injected their own ideas and in the process it destroyed so many lives because of that lack of responsibility and again we came during a time when Hillary Clinton and Trump uh, had a presidential race and there's quite many remarks that were made around Hillary Clinton. Now, certain sermons are fashionable. The message is not fashionable. The message is the word of God. What you preach, if it is the message, if you preach it 20 years back, it will remain relevant to today. But if what you preached then it was a fashion even you, you will get tired of your own fashion. So the church has got a responsibility to give the world the unadulterated word of the living God. The church is not a conduit uh, for fake news. It's not a conduit for conspiracies. A church, the Bible says in the beginning was the weight, not a conspiracy. In the beginning was the weight. The weight was with God and the weight was God. And anything that takes place that is hidden from the human eye, I'm glad that the prophet with a prophetic insight exposed certain things that are still there. He said many things. He tells you in the message third Exodus, he tells you that Rome has gotten into the White House. It has happened. We see it. It is still unfolding because it was not a fashion. It was the word of God. So the sermons, our sermons shouldn't be trendy. Our sermons should be anointed and responsible because we've got people that are hanging on the words that we are saying. And that is why it calls for us, especially as ministers and as the church of the living God, to become very circumspect in terms of the information that we have, the information that we distribute, lest we become uh, a chain that distributes uh, fake news. Now, I like it when Paul says we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. It simply tells you, no matter what we go through, we will emerge as victors. There's never been a time when you take sides with God, you come across or you end up as a loser. We are not going to lose this battle. Now, when we come, go through a crisis, and this is a crisis, whether I say whether it's human engineered or however way it is engineered, it's a crisis. We are bearing loved ones. We People are succumbing to this disease, but I'm not here to praise the disease. God is a healer. There are thousands and millions of people around the world that God delivered. But 
A crisis is not only a health crisis. Some, sometimes it could be a health crisis that triggers other types of crises. For example, uh, it can lead to financial crisis. It can lead to instability. We have seen in South Africa with a violent looting, lo uh, a flaring up. Yes, it may have been politically motivated, but on the surface it shows you people are under pressure. People have been in lockdown with no means to make income. Businesses were shut down overnight. So livelihoods have been the, uh, somewhat affected and definitely disrupted. And that has had an impact on the fabric of the society. That has had an impact on families. That has had an impact on the mental uh, state of health of individuals. So we, we have seen that. Yes, what happened today, it was a multiplicity of issues that led to that. But in the main, it tells you our socioeconomic factors have been as bad as they are in a long time. Uh, people are poor. People are, people are lacking in so many ways. And if you are privileged today to have a meal, if you are privileged today to have income, uh, just praise God. It's not the case. It's not something that is universal. It is because of the grace of God. So that is why I say, but when you go through a crisis, deeper crises, deeper crises raise the deeper questions. Deeper crises raise the deeper questions. We have gone through individual crises. We have gone through national crises. Some churches have gone through crises. So it is when you are, when you are going into or when you are going through a crisis, a crisis triggers some deep questions that you ask yourself. And I think the world over, I see because we begin to lose well-known people that have money, unlimited resources, best healthcare, but they are going. Now, I see young people are beginning to understand it is not about money. They are beginning to understand it is not about having access to the best healthcare. But now they're beginning to realize life is in the hands of God. And this crisis is making a lot of people ask deeper questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going from here? How did I get here? Those are the questions that even young ones, because remember the disruption takes place even at a school level. One moment they are in school, one moment they are told you need to go home. One moment even your kids are going through a mental trauma. They had teachers that stood in front of them and that taught them. And all of a sudden, those teachers were snatched away from them. So I believe post this, when we make a review, I think it will mirror a post-World War uh, kind of scenario in terms of the state of mental health of the people. So that's why a church cannot afford to be irresponsible. Christians cannot 
afford to be irresponsible. And I'm going to get into those certain things because somewhat juvenile, and I use the word juvenile as an operative word, juvenile ministers would want to take the message and put it on a collusion course with medical science. Brother Brenham never condemned medical science. Brother Brenham never condemned doctors. Brother Brenham never condemned hospitals. Brother Brenham had a personal friend, Dr. Ida, who was his personal doctor. Brother Brenham went to the Mayo Clinic to be attended to by physicians. Brother Brenham, when he, after he was involved in an accident, he was in a hospital for seven days being taken care of by medical doctors. So I want to submit that the message of the hour is not on a collusion cause with medical science. And we are going to unpack that because since the statements that are making rounds, you realize that we, we may end up with premature graves. Premature graves. Yes, the message speaks about premature graves because of irresponsible ministers that talk and make Brother Branham to say things that he never said. And it absolutely gets to me. It makes, it makes me very cold under the collar. Goes, now, the response, when, 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 when we go through a crisis, when we go through a crisis, a crisis, the, uh, the response of the church has got to be a twofold response. A twofold response. We put, you, you must put your trust in God during crisis and minister to others going through crisis in the name of Jesus Christ. So when we go through a crisis, there are only two responses for the church. For the believers, we put our trust in God. Secondly, we minister to those that are going through crisis. So at no point in time do we fuel the fire. At no point in time do we inject conspiracies. At no point in time do we become creative in terms of our imaginations we become level-headed, we become grounded, then we reignite people's confidence in God. And the second thing that we do is to minister to those that have lost hope. We've got people that are mourning ahead of a family somewhere, not believers, where they are planning a funeral, but all members of the family are positive. How do you begin to plan? How do you begin to process? And post the funeral, there's another funeral. So I cannot go to such a family with some silly, juvenile remarks to tell them that COVID-19 is a hoax. They're going to look at me and say, I've, I've lost something in my mind. But I must be able to tell them that the scriptures have foretold that these things would take place. And when they take place, there is a way that we need to react. And the best way is to make sure that you make peace with your maker. Because if you are sick, he will heal you. If you die, you will, raise, you will rise you from the dead. That is the message of the church, not conspiracies. 
And we are not Trump supporters. We are not Trump followers. We are the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. This one I need to repeat. We are not the followers of Donald Trump. We are the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the message believers that was given by William Branham in the end time. And our hope is not in America. Our hope is not in China. Our hope is not in Britain. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The rushes run into it and are saved. And we need in this stage of crisis where people are mourning, where people are going through traumatic experiences, we need to elevate the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to make it known that there is a place of refuge and that place of refuge is the Lord Jesus Christ. Not become conspiratorial. We cannot behave like the people of the world when we go through a crisis. We cannot afford to display ignorance when the world is looking for answers. We must be able to say to the world, Jesus Christ is the answer. It's enough. That Jesus Christ is the answer. Is enough. You don't need to inject your own wild imaginations into that statement. Now, our response is simple. We ignite people's confidence in God. Then we minister to those that are going through a trial or a crisis. That is our responsibility. But the goal, the end goal, remember, the end goal is not to be here forever. The end goal is not to be here eternally. We are strangers and pilgrims here. We are strangers and pilgrims here, and we are just passing through this is not, the world is not our home. There is a world where we are going to. But here is our goal. Brother Abraham says in the message, Shalom, paragraph 232. In the message, Shalom, paragraph 322. He says, the dawning of a new day. I feel it all over me now. The light of a new day. The light of a day where there is no night. There is no darkness, no shadows, no skies, no dim, dark skies, no midnights, no graves, no flowers on the hillsides, no funeral processions, no doctors, no mock. Amen. I can feel the rays of his light breaking through upon my soul. The new day, the old one is pressing away. This is our goal to get to a place where there will not be a funeral procession, where there will not be a grave, where will not be flowers by the cemetery, where there will not be a dim sky, where there will not be at midnight, a day. This is the dawning of a new day. The old, He says the old one is passing by. The world, the crisis that I'm speaking about, the world is going through birth pains. Whether you like it or not, even unbelievers, somebody, I heard an atheist saying, could, could this be the end? This is an atheist asking, could this be the end? And if an atheist is coming to realization 
that something has taken place, how much more about the church of the living God? We have to conscientize people of what the end goal is, is to go to a place where we've got the eternal life, is to go to a place where we'll never be sick anymore, is to go to a place where the grave will not hold us anymore, is to go to a place where death will not reign anymore. And there is that place. That's why the prophet said, friends, there is a land beyond the river. And our responsibility is to tell people not to conjure up what may have gone on in the laboratory, is to tell them what the Bible says about this time, is to tell them about where we are going, because there is only two destinations. When you are a believer, you have your destination. When you are an unbeliever, you have your destination. So the church has got to go back to what it was called for, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make the disciples among nations for Jesus Christ, not conspiracies. Now, the prophet of God says in the message, the way to have fellowship, the way to have fellowship, paragraph 26, the way to have fellowship, paragraph 26. He says there is only two faculties that govern a human. One of them is faith, which brings results. So faith is a, is a result-driven faculty. And the other is fear, which has no value in it at all. And there is one thing that has no value is fear. Faith is of God. Fear is of the devil. What brings the results? What brings the results is of God. What has no value is of the devil. Faith is of God. Fear is of the devil. Fear makes you weary. Fear makes you wonder. And if I was going to die in the morning, what good would it do to me to get all steward about it? What if I was going to be electrocuted in the morning and my life had to end tomorrow morning? What good would that do to me to worry about it? Well, you say, what good would it do to have faith? Faith can sign my pardon. Sure, there is value in faith. Don't be weary. Don't be scared. Don't be upset. Just have faith and believe. This I will repeat. Don't be weary. Don't be scared. Don't be upset. Just have faith and believe. And the only way you can have faith, you have to have love first. And God is love. For love produces faith. Perfect love casts out all fear. When we are going through a crisis, you, you must not be weary, you must not be scared, you must not be upset, you must believe, you must not be fearful. There is no value in fear, but there is value in having faith because faith will sign your pardon. Faith will 
access your healing. Faith will access your resurrection. Faith has value. Fear has no value. When in the message, when their eyes were opened, paragraph 17, it says, worry, there is no value in it. So just get away from worry and have faith. As we are speaking, people's anxiety, anxieties are skyrocketing through the roof. People are anxious. People are nervous. People are fearful. People are worried. But the church must, this is an opportunity for we, the disciples of Jesus Christ, to invite the world from a worry state to a faith zone. This is a time where we invite people from a state of worry to a state of settlement, from a state of nervousness to a state of inner peace that surpasses all understanding. So what, what the world has, is going through, we cannot join in that. We have to offer an alternative. We have to tell them there is something better. And I believe the word of God still has an answer in the time where we find ourselves in. You say, well, we buried pastors, we buried ministers. Does it matter? They will come out of the grave because this, the immortal spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead was in those men and women of God. And as it rose Jesus from the dead, it will raise them from the dead. So at no point in time will we ever be hopeless. We remain hopeful. We remain confident. We remain, our faith is now even more grounded than ever before because it has now convinced us we can't put our trust in no man. We can't put our trust in no man, whether be it a bishop, be it a pastor, be it whoever. You can never put your confidence in a human being. Your confidence has to be placed in God and God alone. Now, Perfect faith, in paragraph 1, 2, 3. Now, notice, now, another. Perfect faith is a master of all circumstances. Perfect faith masters all circumstances, no matter what it is. It masters it. So, as we are going through <laughs> this state of uncertainty, where we are being told, I mean, <laughs> the way they are speaking about variants, it's like even by 2025 we'll, have, we'll keep on having a batch of variants. But in this state of uncertainty, we have to be reminded that perfect faith is the master of all circumstances. It masters all circumstances, no matter what it is. Faith is not subject to circumstances. It masters circumstances. 
It controls circumstances. There is faith is the boss. If faith says, sit down, whatever say faith instructs to sit down, it has to sit down because that is the rule and the essence of faith. Hope we are together here. Now, Brother Brenham continues in this message, Perseverance, paragraph 49. Perseverance, paragraph 49. He says, faith always recognizes the weight to be true. That's right. Faith always sanctions the weight with amen. No matter when anything else, anything else is, the weight is always right. I like it when he says, faith will always recognize only the word of God. So you cannot feed faith fear. You cannot feed faith conspiracy. You cannot feed faith any other thing except the word of God because faith only recognizes the word of God. I hope we are together here. Now, and obviously, conspiracies thrive on fear or ignite fear or fear feeds on conspiracies. Now, Brother Brenham says in the message, the Sadisian Church Age, paragraph 1414, he says, I had an awful battle. Satan's tried to give me this flu that they've got going around here. I just keep handing it back to him. He hands it to me, and I hand it back to him. So I've had quite a little battle. So the prophet has got, there is a flu. This one was not a pandemic. It was endemic or epidemic. Epidemic and endemic are the same thing, which was localized in their area. Now, he kept on having a flu, and it says, every time I have it, I give it back to Satan. And he gives it back to me, I give it back to him. So, right now, if you are sick, you know, the greatest battle that was ever fought has been fought, and is still raging in the human mind. If the devil captures your mind, he has captured the entire structure. Now, if you have this flu strain or COVID strain, give it back to him. Yes, you can give it back to him. Absolutely. That's why we have to build the faith muscle. Remember, I said it the other time. We don't die because we're struck by a sickness. We don't die because we're involved in a motor vehicle accident. We die because God's purpose with our lives has been fulfilled. So bear that in mind. The devil has no power to give life. And in the same vein, the devil has got no power to take life. Yes, he can be permitted, permitted to take life, but it cannot be on his own terms. So it's God that grants life. And it's God who takes away life who, or who allows life to be taken. Here, I know I'm walking on a very tight road because an unbeliever will say, if God 
Will God allow a life to be taken? Yes, brother. Because this has got to do with what happened in the book of Genesis. The day you eat is the day you die. And God is not a respecter of a person. He is a respecter of his own way. And he has provided death as a ministry of reconciliation. When you are a believer and you live here, you are going back into the presence of God. And when you are an unbeliever and you die, you go into a state like a, a kind of sleep paralysis. Your time is up here. You can't return here, but yet you cannot arrive at in heaven because you are not made for heaven or you have not prepared for heaven. So you are, you are just caught up in between what we call the fifth dimension. So believers, at anything that Satan, anything that Satan can do, the word of God has got an answer for it. Anything that Satan will dare try to do in our lives, the word of God has an answer for it. So if he gives you the flu and it's not to God's time for you to go, give it back to him. Hand it back to him. If he gives it back to you, give it back to him. That's what we're going we're gonna to do. Like what we say, if the devil says to you, boo, you say, boo, boo again. You must boo again to the devil. At no point in time, you must retreat. We have to fight right to the bitter end. And actually, we are not even fighting. We are here enforcing the defeat of Satan because he was defeated on the cross. Now, coming to this element is the message of the hour against medical science. Is the message of the hour against medical science. Even before I get into the quotations, I have never come across one scripture. I have never come across one quote that discourages a believer from becoming a nurse, a doctor, or a health practitioner. Never. I know one of the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who went on to become very prominent and wrote one of the four Gospels. Brother Luke was a medical doctor. Luke was a medical doctor. The prophet from 1947 until 1965, he has never, ever, ever fought against doctors. Yes, he did allude to some of the mishaps that transpired in the medical fraternity because everywhere where human beings are, there are mistakes. There are preachers that made terrible mistakes, but we have never dismissed the, the ministry entirely. Now, the prophet of God says, in the message expectations and leadings of the Spirit, paragraph 10, he says, and I believe that all healing comes from God. 
I do not condemn doctors. I, William Brenham, do not condemn doctors. I think that doctors are God sent to us. I think that doctors are God doctors are God sent to us. Hospitals and clinics, do I condemn them? I constantly pray for them that God will give them knowledge to help poor suffering humanity. I'm very grateful to God for everything he has done for penicillin and for the Salk vaccine, for everything that he has done, and pray that the hour will soon come when they will find something to keep cancer and the other diseases. And if it ever comes, it will have to come through God alone. I think if we Christians will spend much time praying for that, would be better off to the whole human race. This is the direct quotation of William Branham. He says, I don't condemn doctors. I don't condemn clinics. I thank God for what they have done. The Salk, uh, Salk vaccine, it had to do with the polio. But we know during the time when they ran the trial, they lost quite a lot of babies because Truth be told, you, we react differently to medicine. Even when you do any research, there's what we call a margin of error. It might be 0.2% a margin error. But what we are interested in is that out of, out of 100%, what is the success rate? Even your car that you drive, most of the cars that came from the production line where your car came from, there is one that became a factory fault. Your phone, where it comes from, one became a factory fault. So there is always a margin of error. But you don't discard the entire thing because there was a margin of error. Why am I saying this? There seem to be undertones of trying to project the message of the hour as though the message is about against medical science. Brother Bremen says that is not the case. He actually says, I am praying for the medical science to find something to keep cancer and all these other diseases. If Brother Brenham could play, pray for the medical fraternity, who are you today refusing to pray for them and instead dismissing them as agents of conspiracies. Remember, they are not they are, they don't dispute that diseases are coming from or are being influenced by the fourth dimension. They are not. All they are interested in is that there is this new virus. How do we help the people to do they, they are not interested in the political side of it or the conspiratorial side of it. They have lost their colleagues. Because these are the first people when a, a, a sickness breaks out. They are in the front line to try to help us, to take care of us. Now we want to turn around and say the very people that are, are helping us, they're the ones that are wanting to kill us. How, how far can we be divorced from reality and from responsibility and from accountability? I, I beg to differ. And that's why. 
We have to find a way to rise above the fanaticism. And I'm not here trying to force you to do something that you don't want. But in the same vein, I'm not here wanting to allow you just to speak in any way that you want without having empirical evidence behind what you are talking about. So the prophet says, I'm praying. I thank God. He says, hospitals, I don't condemn them. Clinics, doctors, I don't condemn them. I thank them for penicillin. I thank them for the Salk vaccine and for everything he has done. I'm praying for the hour soon will come when they will find something to cap cancer. Christians would spend much time, if Christians, if we Christians would spend much time praying for that, would be better off to the human race. Now imagine you are a physician. You have lost your colleagues. You have lost your loved ones. You have lost a patient. And you come into a church, and when you are sitting there, a minister comes and to preach and say, with this vaccine, they want to kill you. I don't think any sane doctor will remain longer under such a sermon. That, that's absolute. And that is the, the irresponsibility that we are seeing because anybody thinks that they can talk anything with no accountability. It gets to me. Brother Brum says in the message, Why? Paragraph 47. He said, I thank God for every serum that they got. For the Salk vaccine. Pray constantly that God will give us something for cancer. For poor suffering people. Anything can do to help. I'm for it. Anything. Anything can do to help. I am for it. This is William Brenham. You know, what frustrates me most and what gets to me most is that we, we did not know anything about true worship. We did not know how to approach God in our age. It took William Brenham to come and reveal the weight and reveal God's provided way of approaching him today. And we read the message. But the greatest tragedy is that we have people that begin to think they are cleverer than William Brenham. We have people that think that they are more enlightened than William Brenham. There are people that think they know better than William Brenham. That's, it, it's just mind-boggling. You, you, you did not even know how to be baptized. You ate communion during the day, the Lord's Supper during the day. This man comes. But today, you want to twist his ways to condemn what can help the people where doctors are trying their best. You are trying to twist it so that you can, you can get back and say, no, the doctors are here to kill us. What? Such a, such a bold accus accusation. Give us evidence. 
so that we can take it up with authorities. Don't just say it in the corner there. Come out. Put face to your allegation and take accountability for it. Because these things, you know, WhatsApp, WhatsApp, this app, WhatsApp, it has become so demonic. Until even the WhatsApp uh, uh, developers knew that our app has become demonic to an extent that now they, if the message gets forwarded, they will even write at the top and say, forwarded many times. They are flagging that, that this message is going around so many times, but without any evidence, chances are that it may be fake news. Now, the message why, paragraph 44, the message why, paragraph 44. It says, now you say, you believe in taking medicine. I believe in anything that helps the human race is good. I believe in anything. That helps the human race is good. He says, anything that helps the human race is godly. He doesn't say, yes, I believe in taking me. He takes it further. Anything that helps the human race is godly. Let's carry on. In the message, why... Paragraph 73. He says, if we can't have faith, let's get something else. Because there are unbelievers that don't know the truth. There are unbelievers whose faith muscles have got nothing to be developed. They have not yet come in contact with the truth. They have not been revelated. So he's speaking across the board. He says, if we can't have faith, let's get something else. Faith is the first. Let's pick the next best if we can't get that. Look at the world in the condition it's in. Poor, suffering humanity. Help everybody you can. Everything that helps is of God. Everything that helps is of God. Let's help. Let's do everything we can and pray for me. The thing to do, brother, is get our arms together. Both medicine, doctors, hospitals, nurses, church, and all together and put our faith in God and move forward. Brother Brown says the doctors, the nurses, the clinics, the hospitals, the church, they must get their hands together to move forward and help the people. But here you've got elements from the church that would want to be on a collusion course with something that can help the people. How sad. He says, the thing to do, brother, is get our arms together, both medicine, doctors, hospitals, nurses, church, and all together and put our faith in God and move forward. That's what we need. God is going to ask why we didn't do it some of these days. You remember, 
Luke was a doctor too. Now God never condemned him for being a doctor. But you remember, he wrote the great stories of the Bible. You know, had Luke lived during the time, our time where, you know, our time with the social media has extended drop out. Can debate with a heart surgeon on heart matters. The tragedy of our time is that through social media, extended three drop out can debate with a heart surgeon. That's how irresponsible social media can enable a behavior, an irresponsible behavior. Now, the prophet says, Luke was a doctor. Now, before I get there, if you, if you decide not to take a vaccine, it must be your personal choice that you believe in, that you embrace, and it's your individual choice. And it must be respected. If you decide to take a vaccine, in the same vein, it is still your personal choice, your individual choice, and it needs to be respected. However, if one takes a vaccine, and one does not take a vaccine. And he that takes a vaccine, or the he that does not take a vaccine, would want to make it like it's scriptural. Then it is wrong. We have no scripture. We have no scripture that forces you to take a vaccine. We have no scripture that forces you to take a vaccine. There is no scripture that denies you to take a vaccine. There is no scripture that forces you to take a vaccine. It is an individual choice. It is not a doctrinal issue. It is not a church issue. It is not a ministry issue. It is not a message issue. It is an individual matter. And if that is the case, I don't think I would have never, I desired I absolutely desire never to make any remark about the vaccine. I thought, let me leave it to the people to make their own decisions. But now to see ministers in the message coming behind the pulpit to tell the people that vaccine is of the devil and they want to kill you with vaccine, I can't keep quiet because that's irresponsible. That's Tragic. And I see it's the same spirit that mishandled a family planning issue in the message. And today there are men that got wounded because of that false doctrine. So do we keep quiet? We don't keep quiet. And one was saying they've made vaccine for Africans, not for Americans. I mean, if you preach 
fake news like that in your pulpit, you're going to shake people's confidence even when you preach the truth. Because if they cannot trust you on something that is in public domain, how are they going to trust you with something that is in the revelation realm? Now, the prophet in the message taking sides with Jesus, paragraph 260. It says, anybody that's sensible will do the same thing. People can understand that medicine is sent of God. Why, brethren? If it's not, it's of the devil. Sure, it is. God is where Medicine won't reach, certainly. Medicine is of God. Well, you say, I know a lot of doctors. Oh, yes, I know a lot of preachers. It's the same way too. Now, medicine does not heal. Medicine assists nature to bring healing. So we are not saying you can replace God with medicine. Medicine just assists nature. Now, somebody said something here, maybe while I come to the issue of vaccine. If we, are, we, we need to rise above fanaticism and where if science, listen to this, if science does not, if science contradicts the weight, we reject science and embrace the weight. If science agrees with the weight, we embrace both the weight and science. The only time where we discard anything, it is when it rejects the weight. It's when it wants to redefine our faith. It's when it wants to redefine our God. We reject it. But if we are going, and I've never heard, you know, I was wondering when a minister says, they want to kill Africans with vaccine. Uh, I'm like, has he ever spoken to, we, we've got medical doctors in the message filled with the Holy Ghost. Did he ever, this individual, ever make time to sit down with these ministers, with these doctors and nurses and ask them, do they really want to kill us? If you've got a medical question, there are Holy Ghost-filled medical doctors that you can sit around the table with and they can guide you. Sometimes the wrong thing that we make is to assume that he that possesses the microphone behind the pulpit is the absolute. No, sir. What you say, it is still subject to the weight test. And not only to the weight test, it is still subject to common sense. You can't tell us to go and stand in front of a moving train and we take you for that. No, sir. 
Yes, we've got faith, but it's not a, a blind faith. Yes, we've got faith, but we'll not be victims of fanaticism. Yes, God has healed us of cancers, of diseases that doctors knew nothing about until some of the doctors came to believe in God when they saw what faith can do on a doctor's operating table. And they came and said, surely it was beyond the medical science. This has got to be God. But it's not when you, before I close, a boy gets involved in an accident, blitzes so much, gets rushed to the hospital, there in the theater, supposed to be attended to, and then doctors would want to get a consent from the parents to operate on the boy. And one of the things that was needed, it was blood transfusion. And the parents said, we are Jehovah Witnesses. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot allow blood transfusion. Doctor says, the doctor comes and says to them, you surely are going to lose your son. They say, we have no problem. It's fine. It's fine. Our faith is against that. They sign, they sign. The boy passes on. But later on, in their minds, the what if question keeps on lingering. What if we could have allowed them? What if? It's battling, they're battling with it until it creates a faith crisis. And later they even had to leave Jehovah Witness and went on to become uh, Pentecostals. But, but look at the naivety that was encouraged by their cult, which is Jehovah Witness, they've got their own Bible. It cost them the son. We cannot allow such irresponsibility in the message of the hour. If you, as a minister, decide not to take a vaccine with your family, make it your family issue. Don't make it a church issue. Don't make it a message community issue. Make it an individual choice so that if there are consequences, you bear those consequences alone not with some people that were believing in you and got caught in a crossfire of your own foolishness. I said it. It's an individual choice. It's not a doctrine. It's an individual choice. It's not a scripture. It's an individual choice. But before you make any remarks, speak to doctors. Not just doctors out there. Doctors in the message of the hour. And I said in my prayer, we are not the followers of Donald Trump. We are the followers of Jesus Christ. We are message believers. Everything we do, we check it by the weight. And we are praying for our doctors, we are praying for the nurses. We are praying for the health practitioners 
that are at the point of contact in the front line dealing with this crisis. Some of them have been so amazing because you can't visit hospitals. Some of them, when they realized that this individual is now left with few minutes to die, some of them would take their own phones and allow them to do a video call with their families just to have closure. So now you want to turn them and make them demons? You want to turn them and make them devils? I beg to differ. Anyone that goes into the medical fraternity, they go to help him. Yes, there is a dark side. Even the church has got the dark side. Everywhere where you go, there is a dark side. But you don't dismiss anything entirely. In everywhere, you will find a bad, rotten apple. But you don't say, I don't eat apples anymore. You just make sure that you remove a rotten apple and you carry on. Similarly, with the medical fraternity, we've seen them in Italy. We've seen them in America. We've seen them here, even in our own country. Men and women that wake up and not sure whether they will make it back home, still fine. So we cannot allow juvenile activities behind the pulpit to negate the sacrifice of these people. So if you take it, it's your choice. If you don't take it, it's your choice. But don't make it a doctrine. But in this time of crisis, our responsibility as a church is to ignite people's confidence in God, is to minister to those that are going through crisis, is to tell them that there is a land beyond the river where there will never be funeral procession. There is a land beyond the river where you will never, where there is no midnight, where there is no storm, where there is no grave, where, where there is no uh, mushari. That's what we need to tell the world. We need to ignite people's coming. People are depressed. People are anxious. People are worried. People are looking for a way of escape. And it's, a, it's a, an opportune time for us to go to the people and say, the name of Jesus Christ is a mighty tower and the righteous run into it and are saved. And we cannot do that. We have been called to preach the gospel, not to download silly, conspiratorial YouTube videos and spread it to unbelievers. That's not our responsibility. Anytime you will find a conspiratorial YouTube video that you are about to send, just pray about it and ask your question. If this person is a sinner, will they be helped by this? If this person is sick, will their faith be reignited by this? And if the answer is no after your prayer, don't spread it. You'd rather go and check what you can, a quotation that you can send to them. Maybe a quotation such as, the greatest weapon that God has ever given to the human race was prayer. It is more powerful than even the atomic bomb. Those are some of the things that we need to spread. So coming to this end of the broadcast, God is in control. God is still leading us. God is still healing us. God is still protecting us. And if we lose our lives, 
God will raise us from the dead. There is nothing that Satan will throw at us where we become speechless. Anything that he does, there will always be the way to counteract. When he came to Jesus and said, if you be the son of God, do this. Jesus' answer was always, it is written. It is written. It is written. This should be our answer. It is written. If he gives you something, give it back. If he sends you something, write back to the sender and send it back to him. God is in control. And faith is the master of all circumstances as we come to the end and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you for your grace and mercy. We appreciate you for loving us, for protecting us, for comforting us. You are an amazing God. We love you. We appreciate you. We believe you. We know that you have our best interest at your heart. You are setting the weight I will be with you and I will even be in you until the end. I believe it is so that, oh God, you will be there for us. You will fight our battles. Those who are sick, I am praying for a total deliverance. Those that have lost loved ones, I'm praying, dear God, for comfort. We pray for ourselves as ministers, ministering during this pandemic. May you be gracious to us. May you give us the wisdom to be responsible in our counseling sessions. To be accountable for our actions. We want to commit everyone that was able to listen and everyone that will listen later. I pray for their families. I pray for their jobs. I pray for their livelihoods. I pray for their children. May you be there and protect, provide, and lead them. It is my desire as I commit everything to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly. It has been a pleasure spending time with you. And we will do the same on Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Wednesday, 7 o'clock, same place, same time. God bless you richly. Shalom. <music>